Hello and welcome to the very special Fall Classic preview edition of Painting the Corners. Well, last week we had some great uh, LCS action. Astros swept the Yankees in four, and the Phillies beat the Padres four games to one. So, yeah, this Friday it's on to the World Series. It looks to be a great matchup between the one seed in the AL and the sixth seed in the NL with the Astros taking on the Phillies. And Houston does have home field advantage on that. So game one will be Friday, 8 Eastern time in Houston. And yeah, let's break it all down. Alrighty, so we are here. We're at the pinnacle of the sport. The World Series is something that every team aspires to get to every single year. And while few's hopes and dreams can be realized, uh, we have an Astros-Phillies matchup. And it's not what many, if any, people really predicted. I mean, I don't think too many people looked at the brackets, put a lot of time and effort into thinking who's going to win, who's going to face off in this World Series, and saw the Phillies. Um, I'm sure that a good amount of brackets had the Astros, but yeah, it, it's definitely shocking to see the Phillies here, but if you watch them play baseball right now, and Johnny and I watch them very closely in this Padre series, you see why they're here. Um, they have Bryce Harper and an insane pitching staff that's really hot right now, and that's kind of all they've needed. They, they've been, you know, had some help here and there, but they deserve to be here, and I and I hope that there's no narrative out there that oh you know it's sixty wouldn't have even been in the playoffs any other year besides twenty twenty like it, it's a dumb narrative. If you are able to play this type of baseball against the quality of teams that they're playing, they deserve to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, yeah, there's been lots made even before the playoffs of like, Oh, it's an incomplete roster. You know, uh, Ken Rosenthal wrote that article back in May or June when they fired Girardi. Um, and he said, firing Joe Girardi won't solve the Phillies problems. And then of course he had to apologize later because it absolutely did solve their problems, or at least their problems <laughs> were solved in corollary to that. But yeah, Rob Thompson's got the magic wand. Um, Bryce Harper's got the magic bat. And the pitching staff has done enough to, to keep them in games. So, I mean, they, they certainly look to be, uh, you know, outclassed by the Astros on paper. But you've said that for them in every series so far, and they've won them all. Right. And just to kind of quickly touch on how these two teams got here, they weren't necessarily the most nail-biting series in terms of, you know, they went to Game 7 or Game 6. You know, the Phillies played very close games through and through, and they came out on top on um, four out of the five. And, you know, it, like I said, Johnny and I really closely got to watch this game and or all these games, and it, it's just headlined by Wheeler. Yeah, he just shuts you down for seven. And, you know, Nola struggled, but you can see, like, the Ranger Suarez is a good pitcher. Um, if he's pitching to his strengths and in the zone, he's very tough to hit. They got a two-headed monster in that bullpen in Sir Anthony Dominguez and Jose Alvarado that when they're in the zone are untouchable, and right now they're in the zone. And, you know, like we said, Harper 
really had some moments. Reese Hoskins had some moments. Rio Muto slugged a little bit. Um, you know, they just, they did enough to win every game. And it wasn't in dominating fashion. They just did enough to win every game. Um, and that was clearly enough. And then for the Astros, it's kind of the flip side. They dominated the entire series from top to bottom. And the only time it really felt close was in game four. And even then it was like, you know, Jeremy Pena hit a game tying home run, ended up being the ALCS MVP um, in that game. And it was like, okay, even though it's only tied, it feels over. The Astros outclassed the Yankees and they just struck everyone out and they didn't strike out. And that is a huge key to their success. Putting the ball in play, get a slug a home run, whether it's lucky or not, you know, that's kind of what they've been doing. And then they got this bullpen that they could, I mean, they, they whipped out someone the other day who hadn't pitched all postseason, who had like a sub two in the regular season. Um, it's, it's a scary team when you consider all that they have in depth and rotation and everything. And they flexed it. They really did flex it in this series. Yeah, I mean, if you look at just the scores, three of the games were close. Games, game one was a two-run game, and games two and four were one-run games. But it really did not have the feeling of a close series because the Astros had the lead for almost the entire game in every game except for game four. And with the way that their bullpen was pitching, it just didn't seem possible that they would surrender those leads, and they didn't. So the Yankees were playing from behind from the second inning of game one or something, you know. So, yeah, I mean, they clearly dominated that series. It's always interesting when you see a sweep in the playoffs just because, you know, if the Yankees and the Astros played a full 162-game season, it would be, I don't even know, like 90-70-ish. You know, they're not that much better than the Yankees, but they really, really are gelling and hot right now and they look unstoppable. They haven't lost yet in the postseason. They're seven and zero. um, somewhat worth mentioning. I guess the only other two teams to enter the world series undefeated in playoff play, uh, in the wild card era are the Oh seven Rockies who fell in four or five games. I can't remember to the Red Sox. And the 2014 Royals, uh, who lost to the Giants in seven games, obviously. Yeah, and the the interesting thing is there is... It's very similar comparison, in a way, to uh, that World Series, Royals-Giants, to this World Series, uh, at least preview-wise. Because the Giants that year really kind of felt like a team of destiny, uh, somewhat like the Phillies. Um, Madison Bumgarner pitched ridiculous one of the best pitching performances we've ever seen and may ever seen in a series um you know could we see that from the phillies could could it offensively be harper who is the madison Bumgarner of the series i could very well see it the way that harper is playing right now like i, I don't think people will necessarily forget this but i think it's worth noting that when he was 16 years old and he was put on the cover of espn magazine because he was the next big thing there's been a lot of guys like that. There's been a lot of next big things. And some of them have been nothing. Some of them have had decent careers. Most of them are nev- don't end up turning out to the level that Harper has turned out. 
right now Bryce Harper is the playing like the best player in baseball. And I don't know, man. It's really difficult to get him out. And, and who knows if this little break will kind of get his timing off or not. But, man, the way Bryce Harper is swinging, I would take him over anyone at any point in baseball. It's ridiculous how good he is. It totally is, yeah. And, you know, last round you would have said that about Jordan Alvarez. Uh, he kind of cooled off in the ALCS. But the Astros just have seemingly an infinite supply of hitters to just kind of plug holes. Jeremy Pena won LCS MVP. They've still got Altuve, who has like all of one hit in the postseason. Guriel's going off. Bregman, like it's just kind of up and down the line. Whereas, yeah, the Phillies will rely on Harper, Schwarber, Hoskins, Real Muto, um, those bats in their lineup, and probably Segura will hit a slider four feet off the plate into right field. <laughs> um, but, yeah, obviously hard to bet against Harper. Um it is difficult to, you know, for an offensive player to take over a series like how Bumgarner, you know, took over that World Series because he pitched two and a half games basically in that in that World Series. Um, but and also there's the angle of how many intentional walks does he get? The Astros are a very anti-intentional walk team. Uh, if I remember correctly, I think they were the first team to not issue in a single intentional walk in an entire season back in like 2019 or something. Yeah. Um, but definitely interesting to see how Dusty Baker approaches this. I don't think he was the manager at that point. It was still Hinch. Um, yeah, Harper, it'll be just so incredible to see what he does, you know, and whether they'll pitch to him and how he responds. But uh, somewhat related, you know, if you're looking on the pitching side for the Phillies, it's Wheeler and Nola, obviously, and Suarez is a fine game three starter. But I had this thought, uh, even when the Padres were playing the Phillies with Zach Wheeler, it could be a result of his injury that he suffered in the second half. It probably is, but he seems to be tiring a little faster than usual. They pulled him after 85 pitches in game one seven scoreless innings and they pulled him with no outs in the sixth or in the seventh, excuse me, after six plus innings of game five. And he admitted after game one that he was feeling fatigued at those 85 pitches. And so, you know, in a traditional seven game series, you throw your game one starter, they go again in game five and they can come out of the pen in game seven on short rest. And that's exactly what the Giants did with Madison Bumgarner in 2014. And for the reason that Wheeler seems to be not at full strength, you know, health-wise, I would be interested to see if the Phillies opt to start Aaron Nola in Game 1, Game 5, and then have him out of the pen available in Game 7. What's it's, your thought on that, Logan? No, it's funny you say that because literally at the right when we started this podcast, I got an update from Bleacher Report. The Phillies are starting Aaron Nola game one and going Zach Wheeler. Oh my two. gosh, I am a so, genius. You are a genius. Um, Rob Thompson said, and his quote was, it's just common sense. Uh, take that for what you will. I think it probably has to do exactly with what you say, just with knowing Wheeler and his history of um, fatiguing early this postseason. The, the, the reason that Wheeler's 
so successful is he's just so much in the zone that he's able to go deep in games. But like you said, there's a velocity drop off as the game progresses. And, you know, he's a good enough pitcher with location and throwing that slider and dropping in a curveball here and there to where it doesn't really matter too much. But like you say, can he go 90 pitches? Can he even go, you know, 100 pitches through five? Are they going to take him out and have to go to, you know, the Brad Hands and the David Robertsons of the world? It'll be interesting to see that Wheeler start kind of feels like a must win for them. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of the sole fact that he's going to be the best pitcher they roll out there. Um, Nola's really, really good, and he did struggle against the Padres, and we'll see how he bounces back here against the Astros, but yeah, Wheeler, Wheeler just a tick better in my opinion, so I'll be very interested to see how that pans out this series, because the Astros are a team that don't strike out, so it's always interesting to see how pitchers end up doing against a lineup like the Astros. Definitely. And yeah, the pitching matchups for this series are going to be amazing, of course. They always are in the World Series, but this feels kind of extra special. So you're going to have Nola against Verlander in Game 1. Um, I don't believe the Astros have announced their starters yet, but uh, no. they will go from the top, as they have in both rounds, because they have time to reset their rotation. Um, so yeah, it's so that's that's an interesting matchup. Verlander obviously got blown up in his first start. Uh, and then came back to have a great start against the Yankees. Nola, kind of the other way around, had a great start in the wild card round against the Cardinals, uh, was good again in the division series against the Braves, and then got rocked by the Padres in the championship series. So both aces, but have been uh, have some colored kind of records in this postseason. Game two will be from Valdez for the Astros, and he just... He's a machine, man. Um, just every time out there, goes deep into the game, not going to allow any hard contact. One or two runs if you're lucky. Um, and then for the Phillies, that would be the NOLA game. And yeah, as you said, that does feel like uh, a kind of must win. It's just such a such an interesting approach against Valdez because you know he's going to throw you those two seamers out kind of a way, hope you roll over him, and then that curveball that just nobody seems to be able to pick up. Um, really interested to see how the Phillies will attack him because their lineup is extremely aggressive, um, one of the most aggressive in the postseason field. And also their two most dangerous hitters probably are left-handed with Schwarber and Harper. So I don't know. Are they going to be really aggressive with Valdez, try to sit you know, on that low sinker early in the count, so they avoid the curveball. Um, very interesting there. No, it will be really interesting. I always like kind of doing this uh, when something like this comes down in the middle of the podcast. Somewhat breaking news, not related to this series, but I still think it's important to note the the Marlins have got a new manager. Mm. Skip Schumacher is heading oh, yeah. east to be the manager of the Marlins. So I thought that was an interesting little tidbit to throw in there. Um, but... Yeah, I think, like you say, on paper, it's great You're if you're the Astros. You're like, okay, well, we have to pretty much just make sure Schwarber and Harper don't kill us. And if Hoskins and Real Muto are the ones to do the damage, I think we're okay with that because you look down the lineup after you get through those four, 
throughout the postseason, none of those guys have really been good. They've had some moments, but none of them have really been good. I think, you know, Bryson Stott might be the most feared hitter out of the last, you know, four or five guys in that lineup. So, yeah, you got to get Schwarber and Harper out. You just do. Mm -hmm. And right now it seems impossible to get Harper out. Schwarber, you can get out. But the thing that I noticed when we played the Phillies and when the Phillies played the Cardinals and when the Phillies played the Braves was what their offense is doing is when they get a mistake pitch, they don't miss it. And, you know, that's a common saying, oh, when you get that fastball middle, middle, you can't miss it as a hitter. But the reason the announcers have to say that so much is because hitters miss it a lot because it's really hard to square up a baseball no matter where it is every single time. But it mm-hmm. just feels like when they get that mistake pitch, they crush it. Yeah, and I think part of that is due to their extremely aggressive nature. They like yes, they're hitting the mistakes, but they're also chasing more pitches uh, than other offenses, and that's just the trade-off that they that that they found and that works for them. And that hitting coach Kevin Long is is presumably preaching, and they've found that okay, you know, if we're just ready for the fastball every time, yeah, we're going to chase some breaking balls, but it's worth it if we crush the fastballs in the zone. And that's exactly what you saw in that series. Obviously, you know, the better hitters, the the Harpers of the world are still able to not chase as much um, and be on the fastball. But guys like Castellanos, Hoskins, uh, even Real Muto, they're pretty much just sitting fastball um, or at least sitting on a pitch, you know, that they choose, usually a fastball. And you saw some bad swings against Padres pitchers who threw breaking balls early in the count. But you also saw crushed mistakes left and right. So, yeah, I'll be interested to see if the Astros pitching staff counters with a lot of first pitch breaking balls um, or just, you know, fastballs out of the zone. And if the if the Phillies hitters aggressive approach continues to pay off. Yeah, and I imagine that that sort of chess match is also in the minds of the Phillies, you know, because they, as a Philly front office or player, you're got to be thinking, okay, we know the Astros are smart. They're going to know that this is our approach. I just don't think that you can change that because Mm-mm. at this point no. in the season, unless you get down like 3-0 in a series and there's just a common something that's consistently happening, like you can't change your approach. You got to believe that what got you here is going to win. Um, and, uh, you know, the Astros are a great example of a team that does that very well. You know, tying the record um, of making it to the ALCS, was it six years in a row? Five? Five or six? Um, well, they've, yeah. You know, yeah. you, they, you don't do that with a different approach every year. And I know we're talking about a season right now with the Phillies, but the reason the Astros get here is because they know what they like they know how to get their players to do these things and what players are going to be capable of doing these things, which, you know, pounding the zone strikeouts and not striking out from the offensive perspective. And they get really good at doing that. I don't know. It, it seems very simple. It's like, why not just hone in on something you believe in and get very good at doing that year after year after year? Um, so I'll be interested to see, like you said, can the Phillies stay hot? Because they're hot right now. They are. Absolutely. As are the Astros. Yeah. And another thing to point out, um, this thought kind of entered my mind. 
both of these offenses are extremely well balanced and they have a lot of ways to attack you. I mean, starting on the Phillies side, you have the, you know, kind of one dimensional power hitter, the um, Schwarber and Hoskins. And then there's Harper who does everything well, of course. And then, you know, you're looking further down the lineup. Gene Segura is extremely contact oriented, never strikes out, always will put the ball in play. Um, and also a very good reactionary hitter in that he can make adjustments mid at bat to try to figure out like, okay, you know, he's attacking me out over the plate. So I'm going to dive out there and hit it to right field. Very, um, very good at making mid at bat adjustments. And then you look further down the order, Bryson Stott. He has, it looks to me like a, a one dimensional swing. Like it seems like the only pitch he can hit is the breaking ball down and in, but He's also made good adjustments to take the fastball the other way and dig that breaking ball out down and in, hook it down the right field line. He had some really good at-bats against the Padres. Just all different approaches. Even between Harper and Schwarber, the two power-hitting lefties, they have different hot zones. Harper loves to get his hands extended and hit the ball out the other way. The fastball away is just dead meat for him. Whereas Schwarber is more of a pull, dead pull hitter. He'll take the fastball in, yank it down the line, breaking balls hanging, obviously. He'll pull those too. So just a really, really, I mean, I don't know if balanced is the right word because it's not like they're doing it intentionally. It's just everybody has their own style. And Castellanos too, even even more so. Um, you know, Hoskins and Real Muto, the other righties, yeah, they're power hitters, but it's just a different swing from Castellanos, more of a looping kind of uppercut swing. It has a different shape. It's better for, you know, those hanging breaking balls. Hoskins and Real Muto are more fastball hitters. Um, Basically what I'm trying to say is the Astros pitchers, there's not going to be one way that you can attack everybody in this lineup. And that's a great thing for the offense, because if you're a pitcher, you'd love to just have one plan and stick to it the whole game. And with this lineup, you really can't. And the same goes for the Astros as well. They've got Altuve leading off. I don't know if they'll keep him leading off with his struggles, but uh, presumably they will. Loves the high fastball, great contact hitter, doesn't strike out much, and obviously can can put one over the fence. There's Pena, who does chase more, but also you know is hot right now and can do damage on pretty much any pitch in the zone. Alvarez, I mean, like what can you even say about him? He's He's, he didn't do much in the in the LCS, and whether you take that to mean that he's cold or that he's due is a, a matter of opinion, but he saw what he did to the Mariners pitching in the division series. So, you know, pretty much nothing gets by him. And then just down the order, Bregman has always been a, an extremely well-rounded hitter, can pull, can go the other way. Um, another guy who likes the high fastball. Guriel is hot now. He's always been very contact oriented, kind of like Segura. Can you just you see him hit a ball and you just think, how did he even put his bat on that ball? And it goes to the warning track or something. So, you know, up and down both of these lineups, lots of different styles. And whether that's a coincidence or not, or whether that's just uh, something that you know it's good to have hitters with different styles in your order. Um, they're both here, and it should be a really fun series to watch. 
Yeah, and and you didn't even get to mention Kyle Tucker or Chaz McCormick. Mm. I mean, the the Astros lineup, man, is just so deep. And we say that about the Phillies, but the Astros lineup is deep in another way. The Phillies lineup is deep in terms of it's very tough to just, you know, no one's going to fold over and be an easy out. Whereas the Astros, yeah, you could argue that Trey Mancini and Martin Maldonado are pretty easy outs. But, I mean, other than those two, you have seven guys who are not just average MLB hitters. Um. I mean, like like you were listing some of these guys, and then to add Tucker and McCormick to that, it's just that's so deep. That's so deep, and it's it's scary deep. It's not just contact. Like these guys can all go, leave right. the ballpark at any time of the game against any pitcher, um, against you know same same arm or opposite armed guys. Like they're just really freaking deep, and yeah. They, I mean, they flex that, you know, they really flex it. Like Jordan carried a little bit in the Seattle series, but then in this Yankees series, you know, Pena, Bregman, uh, McCormick, you know, they all had big moments, but it wasn't like you look down at the stats and it's like, you know, they had a 600 OPS in the playoffs because, you know, they hit that one home run. Like Pena, 990 OPS, Alvarez, 880, Bregman, 975, Guriel, 930, McCormick, 9 or 890. Um, you know, Tucker's as six thirty, but like, yeah, it's just scary. It it'll be very interesting to see, and and I have a feeling he will. How Altuve plays, I think he's gonna mm-hmm. pop off. I think I just can't envision him being in a postseason long slump. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like what you said about that. The different way that these lineups are are gonna beat you because yeah, the Phillies they kind of lull you to sleep. You look at the bottom of your order, and you're like. Oh, Castellanos, he can chase a breaking ball. Oh, you know, Matt Veerling, I can get him out. Sosa, I can get him out. Marsh, oh, yeah, I can get... But they just, they put tough at-bats on you. And, you know, all of a sudden, you get back to the top of the order, and there's two on and one out. And you're like, how did I not get those guys out? But they just have a knack for for grinding out those ABs, drawing walks, going the other way, beating the shift, and then punishing those mistakes as well. Whereas the Astros, it's like you look up and down your lineup and you don't see any holes other than maybe Maldonado. And you just know you're going to get beat. And they, like, just, you know, sharks in the water smelling blood. They're just out to attack. And they they can obviously do that really well. It's just why they're here. Um, but, yeah, very interesting, like, kind of juxtaposition there, their styles. Yeah, no, that's very true. And then you kind of get into the bullpen side of things. and We've touched on it, but, you know, the Astros are just running out so many really good back-end guys. I mean, you got Hector Neris, Bobby Abreu, Montero, Presley. Uh, who am I forgetting? I mean, Javier, but he'll, he probably will start. But, you know, Stanix pitched two innings. The dude had like a 1-4 this year. Um, they have that, uh, the Verlander lookalike, uh, uh Hunter Brown, Hunter Brown. I, sorry, I couldn't remember his first name. Um, I mean, it's almost into Ray's territory of like, who are these guys and where did you find them? Right, right. No, 100%. And they're just all really, really, really good. And I know, I know it's really small sample sizes. I, I totally understand that. 
but they don't have a guy with an ERA in, in their entire team above 2.45 besides Justin Verlander. Like, think about that. And it's seven games. I understand that. It's not crazy long. But in the playoff, they're playing playoff lineups, right? They don't have a guy with an ERA above 2.45. That means you can't have a singular blow-up inning with the amount of innings. So the only right. guy that's had a blow-up outing is Verlander. But Verlander still struck out 14 through 10. You know, I think he's okay. Like, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. If Verlander's your weakest link, good luck. Yeah, that's that's just scary. And I think that's definitely where the biggest um, gap is between these teams. It's the pitching depth. The Phillies will have to ride Nola and Wheeler um, and really hope for a good start out of Suarez. I don't know if their bullpen game strategy will work twice with Bailey Falter and and uh, Syndergaard. Not that it really worked the first time, but their offense bailed them out. Whereas the Astros can just trot out dudes every single game. They legitimately could have a five-man playoff rotation. They've got Verlander, oh, yeah. um, Valdez, McCullers, Javier Garcia. That like easily any of those guys you would love to have starting a playoff game. Yeah, and the crazy thing to me about all that is like, yes, Verlander was a free agent signee, but like that's all developed Astro pitching. How many mm-hmm. teams can you look at and say, yeah, we're five legit playoff starters deep, and four of them. Yeah, we can take the credit for. Like that oh, yeah. just doesn't happen. It just doesn't. Like, I, I, again, we've only been around for twenty years, and we've only been really into this baseball thing to where we could remember every playoff rotation for I don't know, <laughs> the last eight, right, seven or eight. Yeah. So I mean, I can't remember a time where I've seen a team develop so well. I mean, look what Jeremy Pena is better than Carlos Correa this year, pretty much. I mean, if not the same. Yeah, the dudes it's... just won an ALCS MVP. It's insane. And the confidence they had in him to just say before even the season, like, yeah, this dude's going to be our starting shortstop and we don't need Correa and he's just going to dominate. And they were right. That's putting your money where your mouth is. Big time. Really big time. So, yeah, like, you know, the Phillies really have to, like you said, they have to rely on their starters to to perform. They need Sir Anthony Dominguez and Alvarado to be shut down. Um and they're going to need some other guys to step up, whether that's David Robinson, um, Eflin, who I think has the stuff to do it, but we'll see. Brad Hand has to step up. He has to because they need another lefty option, especially for Alvarez and, you know, the fifth or sixth ending. Um, and, you know, we'll see what Noah Syndergaard's role is in this series. Does he get the start game four? I think that would probably be what I would do. I would give him a shot. You know, he's thrown five innings this postseason, only allowed the one earned run in that. So, you know, Yes, he's not the same Noah Syndergaard, but you can't you can't run a falter out there. You obviously cannot run Kyle Gibson out there. I mean, the Astros would score thirty thousand runs off him in the first inning. <laughs> so, you know w- whether they do something like I don't know an opener and then go to Syndergaard, but I-, I might give Syndergaard a chance. You need to get lucky at some point, and someone has to step up. And I think you know if it's me, I'm I'm going to run out Syndergaard. I thought they should have done that. That's what I said they should have done in the preview series that we had for the Phillies Padres. I said. They need to go to Syndergaard. Um, I thought that's what they were going to do, and obviously they didn't. They went to Falter. He faltered, and you know they <laughs> won the game, of course. But still, you know, I, I don't know. I, for some reason, they're just kind of shy with using Syndergaard. Yeah, and I don't know. I think the game four strategy will certainly depend on the previous three games, whether they have a, a lead or really have their backs against the wall. Um, but. 
yeah, definitely. I mean, Syndergaard has looked the most effective of those three kind of options between Falter and Gibson and himself. Um, and they just don't really have the bullpen depth to to be aggressive with a full bullpen game. Um, although there are full classic off days in this series. Is that is that correct? Yeah, you got Friday, Saturday, off day Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, off day, then Friday, Saturday. And then if I swipe one more time to the right on my MLB scorecard or scoreboard, we have spring training games. So, Wow. Yep. Yeah, kind of crazy to think that far ahead. I know. Imagine if it was just like that, just the next day. That would be so awesome. <laughs> that would be really awesome. Though I will say I love the off season. I love it. Like it gets dead towards the January side time, but man, I really do love the off season when it's it's fun. So oh, yeah, winter meetings, hot stove season. Yeah, it can be really exciting, and and I love that sort of thing. So, um, all right. So I think there's two predictions we need to make. Okay. Okay. Number one, obviously, we have to predict how we think the series is going to go, who's going to win. Um, we could even throw in who we think is going to be World Series MVP. I'm fine with that. But the second thing, and arguably the more important thing, who's going to steal America a taco? Oh, my gosh. Well, Altuve has one under his belt, right? Didn't he do the taco thing in, like, 2017 or something? You know what? That sounds right, though. I have not done research. I haven't done my research on this to tell you who has done it. I feel like he has. I feel like I remember seeing the commercial from the next year that said, Yeah. Altuve stole everyone a taco last year. Yeah. I know Acuna did. Yes, I remember that. So, um, but yeah, I, I'd love to hear your predictions on on those few things. All right. Well, man, I mean, it's just so tough because both of these teams are playing extremely well. We've already talked ad nauseum about their lineup, starters, bullpens. If you just landed on planet Earth today and you know looked at the box scores and looked at the lineups and rotations and everything, you would probably pick the Astros eight out of ten times. But the Phillies, you know, they have that feeling, that team of destiny kind of look about them. And obviously that's no guarantee of anything. Um, you could have said the 07 Rockies who went like 20 and four in September and then seven and zero in the playoffs before losing to the Red Sox in the World Series. You could have said they were a team of destiny. They failed miserably in the World Series. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to go with my gut here and stick with the Phillies, though. I, I think, yeah. I'm going to go with the Phillies. Okay. As for the more important thing, the taco. Yeah, I was going to say, Sorry. don't please don't forget the taco. That's okay. Yeah, okay, okay. I need to put some more thought into that, yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see. Game one, it'll be Verlander and Nola. So, hmm. Phillies will obviously bat first, being away. They don't have any stolen base threats at the top of their lineup, although Schwarber stole a couple bases against the Padres. <laughs> Astros clearly have more speed. Oh, it's going to be Pena. It's going to be Pena. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be Pena. Okay. Okay, I like that prediction. I do. Um, well, for the taco thing, I think it's important to note we have two catchers back there who have absolute cannons. So That's we'll see how true, that plays yes. into effect. Uh, I could genuinely what see a scenario no in which game one doesn't see a stolen base. Well, we can. You know, I don't think the whole series. I mean, that'd be kind of rare. Okay. I'm gonna. It better not. I'm gonna say. I think it's gonna be someone random. I'm gonna go Chaz McCormick. 
in like game two or something. I don't even think anyone still has base game one. So I'm going to go Chas McCormick, game two. Uh, But as for the series itself, um, I've picked against the Phillies every single series. Um, And so with that said, I'm going to do it again. (laughs) So um, I think the Ashes are going to win this series. Um, They are just so good. It reminds me a lot of that Red Sox Rockies thing that you talk about because to me the Phillies seem like this team of destiny but I just don't have that feeling that I did with some of those other teams that won it all that were the quote-unquote teams of destiny like the Nationals and the uh and the Braves you know I I don't know I just don't I just don't have that same feeling um to me the Astros are just Let's put it this way. If the Astros were a six seed, they'd be his team of destiny right now with how they're playing. It's not like right. they've limped through the playoffs. And well, yeah, won. we're comparing to that series, the Rockies. The Astros are the undefeated ones right? at this point. The Phillies have lost, what, three games, two games? Yeah. Two games. And it just, it, yeah, correct. And it just feels like the Astros, like the, the things that the Padres and the Braves and the Cardinals were not able to either exploit themselves or got exploited with, I just don't see the Astros letting that happen on either end. So to me, I just look at the Astros having three three main, four main uh, facets of baseball, pitching, defense, bullpen, and hitting. They just have all of it. And so for me, I got to go Astros. And I'm going to say Astros in five. Boring. I know. Shockey pick. I know. Shockey pick. But when I'm right. Okay. You're we'll gonna see. be bowing down to me. No, I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Are we gonna we gotta have like a, some kind of punishment for losing the World Series bet? Yeah, loser um loser has to buy the other person a taco. Alright. No wings. Okay, yeah, fair enough. I'm down with wings. Alrighty. Well, I think with that we're going to wrap this episode up. Um, probably a longer breakdown on a single game than usual, but it's also, or a single series than we'd usually do, but it's also the World Series. So I hope you enjoyed this breakdown. Um, please don't forget to hit us up on our socials, really trying to build those up. They've been doing somewhat well as of late, so we appreciate all the love there. Um, Instagram and Twitter, look us up, PTC Pod uh, on Twitter and Painting the Corners Pod on Instagram. Uh, unless you got anything else, Johnny, I think that'll do her. Yeah, I think that will. Uh, just letting you know, we're not going to be quiet this offseason. As Logan said, there's plenty of stuff going on. So, you know, we've already got tons of ideas for, for some offseason episodes and series. Um, there's going to be, you know, free agency to cover trades, winter meetings. Um, we'll get lots of stuff going on that front, um, on the Padres front and on the baseball in general front. So, yeah, we won't be going anywhere. We will cover baseball all through the off season, and uh, yeah, already looking forward to next spring training. Alrighty, later, guys.